0: morning. All right, good morning. It's good to see you guys this morning. You know, last week we began our, our service with me here in the water, and I am so excited that, that we get to do this again. This is the most exciting part of the life of the church. This is some of the most exciting times in the lives of, of God's children. And so um, last week, little Gracie, um, she was baptized. And, and then on Wednesday. One of our youth students came to me. He and his dad uh, came in before uh, uh, youth on Wednesday and said, we'd like to talk to you for a second. And, you know, for, for me and in my life, whether it's in business or whether it's here at the church, when people come into the office and close the door and say, do you have just a minute, you know, uh, that always uh, it scares me just a little bit. But they closed the door, and, and my friend Thad Schember, he said, uh, he said I want to be baptized. And I said, What? I said, you haven't already been baptized? And he said, no, I haven't. And, and what I've learned since then is that, that his mother and his father have been praying for him without ceasing, while at the same time not pressuring him to make a decision that he wasn't ready to make. And so for him, you know, as he's gone through and as he's been raised in the church and as he's been faithful attend on Sundays and Wednesdays and as he's participated in youth camps and all of these things, it's just now that those things are really clicking in his mind to the point where he says, this is real. It's all true. Every word of it's true. And so he's felt a, a wrestling in his heart as he knew he needed to make this decision. And so we spoke for a few minutes on, on Wednesday, and, and I got to spend a lot of time this morning with Thad as we spoke more about his faith. And I would tell you that on this day, Mother's Day, you know what, what more special day could you have than to see one of your children be baptized and to have that assurance in, in your heart that that your children will be okay, right? For for everything else that might happen in the world, if you know that your children are saved, what you know is that they'll be okay. That it, at some point and in the future and, and in eternity, It'll all be okay. And so so for the Shimbers this morning, congratulations. And and for you as mom Andrea, congratulations. And and so for us as a church, you know, this is another sign that God is producing fruit in the hands of those who are teaching our students, who are teaching our kids, who are teaching our youth, and, and, and by leading by example, you know, our trustees and, and, the, and the, the people who are working in the building and the people who are out serving in the working hands, the work that, that is being done here isn't fruitless. It's not futile. It's not meaningless. It's meaningful. It's powerful, and it's making a difference. And so this morning, it is my pleasure to invite my friend Thad Schimber. There, good morning. All right. Good morning, and so so Thad is, is an interesting kid. He's a neat kid, and so he's been around here. And when we have you know Saturdays and workdays, he's jumping right in. He's helping stuff there. He's uh, he's in the youth and he's active there. He goes to camp, and and so he's got great neat experience. He's got awesome learnings that that his mom and dad have been have been uh, planting in him at home, and and so he's a neat kid to hang around. And as a young man, now that, that he's becoming taller than me and, and as he's growing as a person, I get to have a conversation in the back with him. And I asked him, I said, why do you want to do this? Why do you want to get baptized? And so what he said to me is he said, he said, you know, in my life, he said, I, I, I didn't want to be a sinner anymore. He said, I didn't want to be somebody that was separate from God. He said, I didn't want to go to hell. And he said, so he said, I wanted to go to heaven. And he said, I knew the only way to do that was to accept Jesus. And so we talked about who God is. We talked about who God is to him. And so as, as he got to share his story with me uh, this morning, I'm convinced now more than ever that, that God is alive and at work in Thad's heart. You know, I've been able to see, you know, his life and I've been able to see his growth. And, and as I have this conversation, it's neat. I encourage you to talk to the youth. Really talk to them. Don't just ask them who they're texting. Don't just ask them about prom. Don't just ask them about when they're going to be ready to drive. Ask them about their life. Ask them about their heart. Because these kids have a lot more to say than you might think. These kids have a, a lot going on in their minds and their hearts and their souls. And so, so as we talk through this, you know, I, I ask you a few questions in the back, and we talked about it on Wednesday as well. And, and so some of the things that, that are important and really critical for us to know, I ask you, I said, do you know that God created the whole heavens? He's powerful and big enough that he created all of this as a place where he could be with you. Do you believe that? Do you know that, that the decisions that we make sometimes as, as youth and sometimes even as adults, those decisions separate us from God and that's called sin. There is nothing you could do. You can't do enough chores. You can't write enough sentences. You can't do a, a, a say I'm sorry enough to fix that yourself. There's only one way There's only one truth and there's only one life and his name is Jesus. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins? Do you believe that God raised him from the grave so that you would be able to be raised in in heaven with them forever? Well, then because you've made those statements here this morning, you spoke it with your mouth and because you believe it with your heart, it says that you're saved and that's for all eternity. God has you in the palm of his hand and unless you jump out, you're going to stay right there, and he's got you forever. And because you've made those statements, you now get to be a brother and a sister with us. Instead of just being a church you know, person, now we're family. Family's special. Family's important, and family's worth defending. And so I get to take this little handkerchief, and it's my honor and my, my pleasure, the joy of my life and my heart to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Congratulations. Thank you. Man, I'm so happy for you. Congratulations. Church, this is what we're here for. You know, we're not here for potlucks. We're not here for messages that tickle our ears on Sundays and Wednesdays. We're not here just for events. We're here for life change. And when we come to church and when we come expecting that God will show up and when we come ready to sing, not so that we can just blend in with the crowd, but that our voices would reach God's ears in praise, when we come knowing that, that God is in our presence and that if we let him, he'll change us forever, if we come expecting that, God will show up. 100% of the time, God will show up. He's a sure thing. And so this morning as we gather, I encourage you to do that. We're going to sing three more songs. You know, we're going to continue to go through this service today. Cry out to God and expect that you'll hear back from him this morning. Let's pray real quick. Lord, thank you for this day. Father, thank you that that we have more fruit, uh, Lord, that can be brought to you. Lord, we praise you that you're at work in the hearts of your children here. We praise you that you're calling us together as a family, as brothers and sisters. Lord, we sit at your feet. And now, Lord, we pray that you'd encourage us, that you'd teach us, that you'd lead us, that, that, Lord, you would even be poking and prodding and pushing others to come into this water, that, Lord, you would change us forever, the lost would be found, and you'd receive the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Mother's Day we're glad you guys are here this morning you know uh, Mother's Day is is one of those days that is special in the life of the church along with Christmas and Easter and and Father's though it seems Father's Day it seems that those are the biggest days of the year where families gather back here and so we come to we come to Christmas because we feel obligated to we come to Easter because we feel obligated to but we come to Mother's Day because mom shames you into being here so for for whatever reason. Whatever, whatever has drawn you, however, the Holy Spirit is sucking you in like a, a flame when it ignites, whatever, whatever that reason is, maybe it's mom wagging her finger at you, it doesn't matter. We're glad you're here this morning. Good morning. Welcome. Sit back, you know, relax, enjoy yourself this morning, because here's what we're here to do we're here to honor moms, we're here to praise the Lord, we're here to be in an environment which is safe, which is comfortable, which is welcoming, but in an environment that ultimately leads to life change. So if there's something going on in your life that you wish was different than the way it is today, then God's not a wishing well. He's more than that. He's a sure thing. And so if you've got things that you wish you could let down, if you've got things that that you wish you could walk away from, if you've got ways that that you think you could be better and should be better, man, you're at the right place today. Because this is where we meet with the God who created us all. This is where we, we meet with the God who, who builds us and who restores us and who dusts us off and who, who knocks off the rust and who polishes us up just a little bit. This is where we meet with that guy. Well, last week we began a conversation and it says on the wall behind me, it says you know, that we should fight for what matters. When we began this conversation last week, we were talking about the good fight. We hear in the scripture it says fight the good fight, the good fight of the faith. And so we spoke for a little bit about what it means, what is good, what's worth fighting for, but not only what we should fight for, but how we should fight it. Jesus didn't fight by quarreling. Jesus didn't fight by arguing. Jesus didn't fight by needling and poking and, and those kinds of things. Jesus fought by serving. Jesus fought by loving. Jesus fought by laying his life down for those who were persecuting him the most. And so what we learn from that, is that there are things that are worth fighting for. But we also learn that there's a way to do that. There are words that we can say and should say, and there are ways that we should say them in order that, that A, you know, that, that we protect and, and defend what we are protecting and defending, but more than that, that we protect and defend the cross, that we protect and defend the name of Jesus who was on that cross for us. And so that's our obligation Out of that conversation, what we found is that there are a few things that really are worth fighting for. When you look at the Bible, when you look at Scripture, and you go all the way through it, one of the things that appears in that group more than any other is family. Family is something that's worth fighting for. Family is something that's worth defending When you look early on in the Scripture, that's where God starts to build family up. What we see is that the first family is planted in the garden. There God can be with his children, and it's a place where we can be together as one. God comes and he says to Cain, he says, hey, where's Abel? He says, what am I, my brother's keeper? Well, the the connotation in that story, what, what we're learning from that story is that, yes, indeed, we are our brother's keeper. It is our job to, to watch over our brothers and our sisters who are with us. That is our job. God wants us protecting and defending family. He wants us to be together. He wants us to have each other's backs. But it didn't end there. What we find is that, that in the, the Old Testament and in the ancient times and in the old days, they took a much different and a much broader sense of family than we do today in America. They have a much more communal sort of description of what the family was. They lived in small villages. They lived in small encampments. Mother, father, children, grandchildren, grandparents all lived in the same home together. And then around them were the aunts and uncles and all of their cousins. Family wasn't just you and I. It wasn't just mom and dad. It wasn't just mom and dad and kids. Family in those days meant the whole household and the whole village. That included those that you were related to by blood, but it also included the servants and the workers and, and everybody else who was in your household, the people that you were responsible for. So they took a much bigger view of it. In fact, Scripture proves that. You know, the big flood started to come, right? God was looking at the, the whole earth, and he looked around, and he was seeing that none were good. But he found one man. What was that guy's name? Who was that guy? Noah. Did he just save Noah? Noah. Noah was the only guy he found that was worth anything. But is that the only guy he saved? No. He saved Noah and his wife. He saved his three sons and his three sons' wife. You see, God was saving the whole family. Yes, indeed, he saved the one, but he got them all. He got them all. God was, was going after the one, but because he went after the one, he was willing to extend that to those around him. If you follow it just a little bit further, you remember Moses was out in the desert walking around with the, the Israelites, and he goes off, up on top of the mountain, and he comes down with two stone tablets. Ten commandments on there. Two of those ten apply directly to family. It says, children, honor your mother and father. Honor your mother and father. That was one of the commandments. Another one says, thou shall not commit adultery. Two of the Ten Commandments were specifically around defending and protecting the family. Abraham is one that God called out of the village of Haran, and he says, I want you to go, and I've got this place. I've got this promise that's in store for you. Go, and I'm going to give you what you could never even imagine. But he didn't just call Abraham out. It was Abraham and his wife and his nephew and the kids and the servants and the donkeys and the animals. He called them all out, and then when they got there, God said, I've got a promise for you, Abraham, because you've been faithful, because you followed me, because you're good and because you're righteous. He says, I'm going to make your descendants. Now, he didn't have a kid one at this point, but he said, I'm going to make your descendants, your family. I'm going to make them so big and so uh, numerous that you can't even count them like the stars in the sky. God made a promise to Abraham but it applied to a family a family for generations and generations and generations to come all the way to the people who are sitting in this room today. We go even just a little bit further, and we see that in the New Testament that families being defended as well. We see that Jesus is teaching about things like divorce and adultery. We go a little bit further, and, and Paul is teaching about what the home life is supposed to look like. He said again, children, obey your parents. But then he spoke to us parents, and he said, don't provoke your children. Jamie's always provoking the kids. Actually, she's pointing at me. I'm the one who's poking the kids. And so he's trying to defend peace. He's saying that in your family, there should be peace. When you're fighting for your family, don't be fighting with your family. When you're defending the family, don't defend it in such a way that it drives you apart from each other. He's saying, I want everybody together. This is the physical family we're talking about. But as we get into the New Testament, as we start being saved, as we start being baptized, as things start to change in people's hearts, God takes that bigger view of what family looks like again. He starts to talk about things that says that if you believe with your your heart and you speak with your mouth, then you are saved. He says if you're saved, you're no longer a slave. He says that you're no longer uh, a slave. Instead, he said you can be called a child of God. We now have been adopted into the greater family of God. We see Paul, when he uh, is walking the earth, he goes into the, uh, the jail. Remember what happens? Overnight, he's there and he's singing hymns, and all of a sudden, God breaks him out of that jail. The jailer was terrified. The jailer was, was so scared, he almost took his own life. But Paul said, no, no, no. He says, hold on. That jailer takes him back to his house. The jailer was baptized, but who else was? Everyone in the house. The parents, The kids, the siblings, the aunts, the uncles, the servants, everyone. Again, over and over and over, what we see is that one goes into the water, but the one who goes into the water is for the purpose of helping to reach the rest. Family is important to God. Family is important to God, and what it says about family is that it doesn't matter if you're biologically related. It doesn't matter if you're in the same room, in the same church, in the same state, or in the same country. It says that if we believe in God, then we are a family, and that family is worth fighting for. That family is worth defending. It says that that we will be a family of people from every nation and every tongue. It says that that we're going to be people from all over the world. You might not recognize one another, it's like those fourth and fifth cousins that you've never seen before in your life. They're still related to you. The church is still one big church, and it says that you'll know that you're family together by one characteristic. Do you know what that characteristic is? What is it? Jesus is at the center of it, but they said they'll be able to, you'll be able to recognize one another by the way that you love one another. The thing that draws us together, the thing that separates us, the thing that makes us look different from the rest of the world is the way that we love one another. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. And he says, by this, they will know that you're my disciples. They'll know know that you're my brothers and sisters by the way that you love one another. And so, as we gather today as a big family, what we can see is that family's worth fighting for. We're worth defending. You're worth us laying our lives down. And the best way that we can do that is the way that Jesus did it, is through love. We have an obligation to love one another, to treat one another well. And so as we gather this morning, I want to talk through some verses that specifically speak to this defense of family and what some of our responsibilities are. Because the greatest threat to family today isn't coming from the outside, it's from the inside. It's not coming from the outside. It's not people breaking down the walls of this building or, or knocking out the windows in your home. The greatest threat to families today is not only in this room, it's in these hearts. And so we have to ch- allow God to change our minds. We have to allow God to soften our hearts, and we have to allow God to guide our steps if we're going to be a family that's worth fighting for. If you'll turn with me uh, in your Bibles this morning, we're going to see that, that we have a responsibility. And in 1 Timothy chapter 5, this is what he tells us. He says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. He says we have a responsibility, much like what we were talking about with Cain and Abel, that we are our brother's keepers. Now, this is true In many cases, especially as you think about small children, I mean, we've got, you know, small kids who maybe can't get a job just yet, aren't able to drive, aren't able to provide for themselves. We have an obligation as a society to take care of those among us that can't take care of themselves. If they aren't able-bodied, if they're not in a position to do that, then we have an obligation to take care of them. That includes our widows, that includes our orphans, but that includes our family around us. Now, that applies to those who can't take care of themselves. If you can take care of yourselves, you should take care of yourselves. And if you're not taking care of yourself, and you're relying on mom or grandma, or you're relying on somebody else to take care of you, and you could do that yourself, well, it's saying that that you then are breaking this commandment because it goes both ways. We have an obligation to take care of those who can't take care of themselves, but we also have an obligation then for that to go both ways. You have to stand on your own two feet. You've got to work. You've got to do your part. You've got to do that so that as a family, we remain strong together. But we can't turn our backs on family. We can't turn our backs on those who truly need us. We can't turn our backs on those that that maybe we got upset about a conversation or or that something happened because what we find is that if we rewind and we go back to those arguments, if we go back to those things that that maybe our brothers and our sisters were all of a sudden pinching each other and he's touching me and she's doing that and, and she said this and she did that, those things that happened in the car ride 30 years ago don't matter today. Now, don't get me wrong. Mom will still turn this car around right now. Mama will stop this car right now. And if she does, somebody's getting swarped, right? But here's the deal. Those little things don't matter because the only thing that is worth fighting for is faith in Jesus. The only thing that's worth fighting for is promoting this story, this message, and defending this family so that it can do that job. And so in order to do that job well, We have to take care of each other. But life changes. Seasons change. As you look at the world around us, it looks dramatically different than it did 20, 30 years ago. It looks dramatically different. The world around us is evolving. The world around us is sliding. The world around us is slipping out of our hands. And it's changing. And change is scary. Change is difficult. We don't know what to do because the way we used to do things doesn't work anymore. The way that we used to do things isn't as effective as it used to be. The things that used to motivate and the things that used to discourage aren't the same as they used to be. We're studying Ecclesiastes on Wednesdays and having a great conversation. You should join us on Wednesdays. It's a great conversation. And I found these words that talk about that change that's going on in the world around us. In Ecclesiastes 3, it says there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. Were you singing that in your heads? Could you hear that a little bit? That's that song. If you've heard that song from the birds before, every word of that song is taken directly out of Ecclesiastes 3. What they were talking about in the song, and and indeed what what, uh, Solomon was writing down in these words, is that there's a time for everything. There's a time for us to act like kids. There's a time for us to be foolish and for us to, to, to have fun, but then there's a time for us to make decisions and to move on. There's a time for us to, to grow. There's a time to cry, but there's a time for us to pick ourselves up and move on. There's a time for us to, to be angry, but there's a time for us to get over it. There's a time for there to be separation, but there also comes a time when it's time to come back together. And so for whatever has separated you from mom, Sister, brother, for whatever has separated you from church and from God, for whatever season that you've been gone and for whatever season that you've been roaming, it's time. It's time to come home. It's time to come home to mom and dad. It's time to come home to family. It's time to come home to what you learned as a child. It's time to come home to the place that that you made a decision yourself at one point. went into that water it's time it's time for us to to figure out what's really important and it might not be the ball game it might not be the hobby it might not be the tv it might not be this what is it time for it's time for family and if you're going to fight for your family and you're going to defend your family you'll make time for your family You'll make time to get them together. Even if it's in small windows, take those small windows. Even if all you've got is bath time, even if all you've got is bedtime, even if all you've got is just quick little meals on the road, take that time. What will they remember about you if the whole life is spent just going? Let them know what family is. Let them know that you care. Let them see that in the way that you love them. Love on them. Have fun. Create memories. But remember, there is a time, to, there's a time for everything. And the time today is to come home. The time today is to turn around. The time today is to come back to that place from which you started. There's a season for everything. And what we're learning is that this family that God's created, this, this family that he's knitting together both biologically but also spiritually, this family that he's building in this room is built on the church. The church is the family that God is creating. The church is the home for the bigger communal family to come together. This is where you belong. This is where God intends you. This is the group of people he wants you with. This is the people he wants you locking arms with to go out in the world to fight those battles. This is the time that God has called you to this place. And this is the chance that God has given you to return, to come home, This is the season that he's calling you back. At the end of the day, on on special days like Mother's Day, it's time that we follow what Moses told us when he came down off that mountain. It's time that we, we listen to those words that Paul said when he came down. Even Solomon said it in Proverbs 23. He says, listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she's old. Don't despise her when she's young either. She's pretty good all the way through, and although she's, although there might be things that she might disappoint you about, although there are questions that she might leave in your mind, although you might look at the things that she does and shake your head, SMH, we wonder why our parents do the things we do. Here's why they do the things we do. We're doing the best we can, like everybody else. We're holding on to life that's going by at a million miles a minute. God told us in the Ten Commandments to honor our father and mother. Paul told us as he was writing that we should obey our parents and Solomon in Proverbs says that we should listen to our mothers and our fathers and that we should not despise them. Just a couple of verses later in Proverbs 23, 25, he says, may your father and your mother rejoice. May she, your mom, the lady who is raising you, might not be your biological mother, but may she who's raising you and who gave you birth, be joyful. May your mother be joyful. I know that a lot of mothers are joyful today, that their children are sitting with them. I know that a lot of kids are doing their best today to to sit still. I would tell you that it's okay that there's a little extra noise in this house, because in this house we're alive. In this house, we're a family. In this house, we serve together, we work together. In this house, we worship together, we laugh together, we cry together, we get baths together. In this house, we're a family. And in this building, we live. And so if we get a little stain on the carpet or we get a little smudge on the wall, it's okay. We're not trying to build a cathedral. We're not trying to build a house, a palace. Wes, don't say it. We're not trying to build a palace. What we're trying to build is a family. And what we're trying to defend isn't the way that this place looks, but the way that this family lives and loves. And so on this Mother's Day, I want to take this opportunity to thank you mothers. I want to thank you moms and matriarchs. I want to thank the women who have served in this church so tirelessly for generations to protect and defend this family. I want to thank you, those who have invested in classrooms and in VBSs and on field trips and chaperoning. I want to thank you for those who have been uh, kissing boo-boos and fixing scrapes. I want to thank you for those who have been spanking and scolding. I want to thank you for those who are living and making snacks. I want to thank you for the moms who have been enabling their kids. I want to thank you for all of the people that have been pouring into the life of this church. Mother, I love you. I love you. Mothers, I love you. Thank you for what you've done. And if you're not a mom today, you will be. If you don't bear your own children, you're going to have the opportunity to pour life into them. Do it. When your season comes and it's your chance to breathe life into somebody, do it in such a way that they know you're a part of this family, of God's family. They'll know that you're God's children, that you're His disciples, that you're His followers by the way that you treat one another. Treat each other well today. Love well today. Take a few minutes today and enjoy one another because these days won't last. These these days won't last. Take pictures in the back. Save them on your phones and and, and just scratch them on your hearts because we want to remember these days. We want to remember how we feel today and we want to tell the next generation about that. Because when we preserve this family, it grows that one. Are you with me, church? All right, let's pray. Lord, as we gather in your house, Father, as we gather in this place that you've built and as we gather with this family that you've assembled, Lord, we say thank you. Thank you for the love that you've given us Thank you that that you've called us, that you've cleansed us, that you're still working on us and that you haven't given up on us. That's the mark of a good father and a good mother. Don't give up on me, God. Don't give up on us, God. Lead us. Love us. Save us and send us. Father, I pray today that as we, we gather, that we would take, an on, take a moment to, to honor you as our father, that we would praise you as a good father, and that we would honor the mothers around us likewise. Lord, we love you. Lord, we need you. God, you are just so very good to us. So this morning, Lord, as you stir in our hearts, maybe you're pushing us out of, the, out of the chairs. Maybe you're pushing us up front. Lord, if there's any among us who's ready to follow little Gracie or to follow Thad, if there's any who's ready to give their life to you, I pray they would, they would do it today, that today's the day. Maybe they're ready to join. Maybe they're ready to rededicate their lives. Whatever it is, God, May we use this time to give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's this time during the service that we get a chance to respond. And maybe you're responding with a few memories as you sit here today. Maybe you're responding with some, some awesome leaking out of your eyes. Maybe you're responding with, you know, your heart being drawn closer to God. Whatever it is, respond today. He's here. He's big enough. He's good enough, and he's faithful enough to hear you. He'll hear you. So whether it's in the quiet of your heart, whether it's in your seat, or whether it's right here, respond to God. He's so good. Would you stand with me this morning as we sing? We're going to sing our song of invitation, and the song is, God, you're so good. He is so good. He's so good and faithful to save and to love and to go and to fix and to restore. That includes you today. You're not too far. You're not too bad. You're not, you know, too far gone for him to reach you. Open your heart to that today.